Hello and welcome back to The File News Show, your weekly recap of the best artist, creator, and tech news. I'm your host, Ryan Selvey, and today is Friday, February 16th. This show streams every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Adobe Live YouTube channel. Today on the show, how to trick your friends and family into thinking that you're actually working. Um, the great Apple Vision Pro return has begun. There's a new motion uh, design award platform. Duolingo shows it pays to be weird. And we talk about the browser company and how they're changing the internet. But before we get into all of that, do me a favor and subscribe to The File News Show on your podcast platform of choice. After I host these weekly shows, I edit them down and I upload them so you can catch up even if you're not around. We've got a lot to get through today though, so let's hop on into the news. So very first up is some exciting Adobe news, and it is that the technology that first showcased at the Adobe um, uh, Adobe Max has made its real life debut. It is the first completed wearable dress from the Adobe Project Primrose, and it debuted at Christian Cohen's New York Fashion Week show earlier this week. Uh, it's built from polymer dispensed polymer dispersed liquid crystal petals. Uh, say that five times fast. Obviously, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's overlaid atop flexible circus boards, and these petals shift and change color between silver and ivory to create a shimmery effect. Um, and uh, you can actually see it in action if you go ahead and you pull up the uh, Instagram where they announced it. I'm going to actually go ahead and share my screen for you guys if you are watching. And um, it's really pretty. It's really cool. You can see that it is um, kind of going through different patterns. It's not all the same thing. Like sometimes it goes up and it moves around. It comes up and goes down. Um, and Adobe After Effects and Illustrators uh, were used. Adobe After Effects and Illustrator was used to create the patterns for the petals. Um, and so you can check that out. That's actually just on the Adobe Instagram. They posted it four days ago. Very cool stuff. I'm excited to see how it gets implemented into other pieces of wearables. Um, and it's also just really exciting to see something so quickly go from being announced at Adobe Max to so quickly then becoming part of the actual public. Um, so make sure you check that out. And uh, let's hop on into our next thing. The next thing that we have up is actually regarding to podcasts. We have a few stories about podcasting this week, and this one's with Spotify and Riverside. So to give you some background, Spotify bought Anchor FM forever ago, which was a website that they used to help people create their own podcast through online web UI where you could go on and you could upload and you can then disperse it to all the different things because podcasting is a protocol. Then they ended up sunsetting the idea of Anchor FM. Now it's Spotify Podcasts. If you subscribe to um, this show as a podcast, I actually use Anchor FM to get uh, it out distributed to everything else. But now they're sunsetting uh, their parts that they used originally for podcast tools in favor and expanded partnership with Riverside, the video and audio recording site many podcasters used for their shows. The tools being discontinued the tools being discontinued include the music and talk feature, record with friends, voice message, and the app's native episode builder. But now podcasters can use Riverside in Spotify for podcasters to have a seamless interaction. So I don't think a lot of people will really feel too much of a change going on here. 
but it is interesting nonetheless to see how much they can hop around and how acquisitions and everything else just continue to flip and flop and flip and flop. Uh, Next up, we have the Collision Awards, which is something I learned about this week, which I'm very excited about. It is the first global and holistic platform solely dedicated to honoring excellence in animation and motion design in all its forms. Early entry deadline is March 8th, 2024, so you have a few more weeks to get your stuff submitted, but it is focusing on marketing communications, commercials, television, film, experiential, and games, and extended reality. Uh, Animation Magazine, Animation World Network, Animation Nights New York, Motion Plus Design, SIGGRAPH, London, Squiggly, Stash, View Conference, and WeTransfer are among the global partners joining forces to launch inaugural awards show from the group behind the Telly Awards. Um, And I'm really excited about it. I personally um, don't know if I will submit anything but i'm very excited to kind of see what it looks like this is the promo material they have that's talking about how they're honoring excellence and they're calling for submissions um i believe anyone can submit so if you are a motion designer or you're interested in getting into motion design um it's definitely something to check out whether you're either submitting or you're just keeping an eye on for inspiration um but shout out to the collision awards and for making award shows that i get really excited about (laughs) Um, next up, we have uh, exciting news from NVIDIA, the chip maker. Uh, they make GPUs and uh, among other things. Um, and they have launched Chat with RTX, which if you're a PC user who's been itching to create your own personal chatbot, NVIDIA is releasing a demo app just for you. Uh, Chat with RTX is NVIDIA's tool that can run locally on your PC and can be fed your own data to create a bespoke chatbot fit to your needs. For example, you could feed RTX podcast episodes, YouTube videos, or troves of documents. And so then you can use that to then search your own stuff and get information about your own files that could maybe work for if you're looking for videos for an edit or if you're analyzing documents and you don't necessarily want to upload it to one of these chatbots because... As we will learn in just a little bit, there is a lot of privacy concerns with a lot of these AI chatbot platforms. And if you can have it all on your own system, you're all the better for it. Um, So check it out. It's only in demo right now, but uh, it is something that is exciting to see. And I hope to see more of as, like I said, privacy is always kind of an issue with any of these situations. Uh, And more exciting Adobe news, Adobe Express and TikTok teamed up. And I will say it is going to be a very TikTok heavy stream today. There's a lot of TikTok news. TikTok is obviously one of the biggest platforms in the world. And there's a lot of things going on with it at all times. But specifically this week for creators, there is a lot of TikTok. Uh, The AI powered creative assistant is now available directly in Adobe Express. Creators will get access to TikTok insights about trending hashtags and AI-powered tools all within Adobe Express. The assistant can also brainstorm creative ideas or even write out video scripts. And also, it allows businesses and creators to schedule and publish content directly to TikTok without having to leave Adobe Express, which is cool. Hopping back into the idea of chatbots and... um, uh, OpenAI, we have uh, ChatGPT introducing memory. Now, if you've used up ChatGPT at this point, you will probably realize that you have to constantly give it information over and over again if you want it to understand things in between communications. They introduced a thing a few months ago that was all about taking um, 
a set of rules that you could put in and you could apply it to all of your chats. But if you told it something and you just natively had a conversation with it, you didn't necessarily have any sort of um, expedited way to have that be added to the list of information that you have already in ChatGPT. So this is a feature you could turn on and off. And basically, as you talk, as you talk to the chatbot, it's going to understand how you um, maybe like have a daughter and maybe you're allergic to peanuts or maybe you're a designer and you're based out of Brooklyn. Um, and so it can understand all the things that you are constantly having to remind the chatbot for um, in order to get the best results with the least amount of steps. Um, and so that's going to be rolling out. You can either turn it on or turn it off. Um, but you can either tell it to remember something or it can just pick up the information as you talk in a little bit of art history news. Um, do you know, Renee, uh, Renee Magritte, he's the guy that does the little apple in front of the face or, uh, even arguably more famous is the, this is not a pipe painting, but in a interesting report by Artnet, they reported that apparently he was really good at making forgeries as well. And we're not just talking about money, which he did create fake banknotes, uh, but he also created and sold forgeries of Picasso's, Brock's, and de Chacroix's uh, in the late 40s. And this was all revealed in a 1983 autobiography by Marcel Marian, who is a close friend of him. And they actually tried to sue him to make him not actually release that information, but they lost. And now we all know. So while you're appreciating fine art, also remember that those people are also stealing other people's art. So it is just a tale as old as time as stolen art. Speaking of art and changing art forms, we have reached peak TV apparently. The job market is tough. There's a lot of layoffs. I was talking to some friends about that earlier today. And you can notice now that for the first time, there's actually a decrease, a 14% drop in the production of original scripted TV shows. And this is the largest drop since FX started counting. Um, and I learned this through Hollywood Reporter, but it was actually um, according to an FX annual tally. And this means that there were 516 original shows in 2023 compared to 600 in 2022. And it's the lowest count since the pandemic stopped production in 2020, which obviously that's going to impact things, leaving only 493 scripted originals. During the same period, production of unscripted programming rose. The Hollywood Reporter attributes the decline to streamers' new focus on profitability versus subscriber growth. And we're seeing that all across the board. We're seeing it, you know, with crunching numbers in Netflix and Hulu um, and the idea that they're trying to become more profitable and they don't want to just throw everything in the kitchen sink. Now, if you're listening as a podcast, I have more podcasting news for you. Um, episodes from Apple's top 100 podcasts were analyzed by the Pew Research Center, who found that 86% brought on a guest. While most top-ranked podcasts brought on guests, they didn't always bring on guests consistently. Only 22% brought on guests regularly, 49% occasionally had guests, and only 5% always had a guest. But more than 7,000 people appeared as guests in the episodes analyzed by Pew Research Center, and many is appearing more than once for a total of 11,000 guest appearances. So if you think about that, if there's 7,000 people and there's 11,000 guest appearances, that's 4,000 different appearances where somebody probably double dipped. I don't know if it's necessarily the same episodes, the same series, or if it's actually just um, 
you know, they're hopping around to different ones and you just have an idea of, uh, <laughs> of, of getting on podcasts to promote your work, which a lot of people do during their own uh, media circuits now, which is so funny and interesting to see just kind of like how we've adapted in the world. Um, going to take a quick break from saying the news just to say hello to people in chat since this is a live stream if you're listening to it as a podcast please note that this is live every friday at 4 p.m eastern 1 p.m pacific on youtube and behance uh hello to tommy uh, and jamie and cj over in youtube chat and a flurry of people over in behance chat from oliver bruce umicorn jack uh kendall alessandra uh ashraful um, thank you guys all for being here. I am trying to get through as much news as we can because we have something like 19 news stories before we can go on to the next segment. But um, in just a few minutes, we're going to have a section from Allie. And while that's happening, I'm going to be able to catch up on all the chat and we're going to have a great time. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, but thank you all for being here. And thank you for listening if you guys are listening. Um, but as I was saying, that probably is the best time, honestly, to just hop on in and uh, catch up with Allie because she's got a really interesting segment about AI girlfriends. So let's go take a listen. Hi, Ryan. So a lot has been written about the loneliness epidemic in America, and we've covered the changing nature of weekends, how people are just hanging out more at home. If you're feeling lonely, you may be tempted to post a selfie on Instagram or to turn to an AI-powered companion. Replica, Eva AI, iGirl, Anima, Romantic AI, Chai, Talkie, Janicia, Crush on Mamiko are just a few of the recent romantic chatbots that I personally have dated and been dumped by. While you may be tempted to whisper sweet nothings into your AI-powered romantic partner's ear, they are probably whispering those same nothings to other companies for money. As Gizmodo put it, your AI girlfriend is a data harvesting horror show. The Mozilla team at Privacy Not Included, a buyer's guide to evaluating the security and safety of digital products and anything that connects to the web, evaluated all 11 of my AI girlfriends and boyfriends. And Mozilla said that I have attachment issues. No, they didn't. Uh, Mozilla found that of the 11 apps they evaluated, all of them except for Eva sell and share your data to advertisers. Or they, quote, didn't provide enough information in the policies to confirm that they don't. And if you're thinking, hey, it's no big deal to me if my AI girlfriend hashtag girl boss makes a little extra money off of telling advertisers what I want to buy much more personal information could be at risk. Crush.onAI, for example, collects information about sexual health, use of prescribed medications, and gender-affirming care. Ah! And if your relationship with your AI girlfriend is heating up, first of all, congrats, you should realize that only 50% of the apps that Mozilla reviewed allow you to delete your personal data. That means your most intimate conversations with your potential future AI wife could stick around forever for your hybrid human AI children to read generations from now. Even some apps that allow deletions don't consider your conversations with your chatbot to be personal data. For example, Romantic AI's use agreement says that communication via the chatbot belongs to software. So if you find yourself falling for an AI-powered language learning model chatbot, remember that the most fictional part of the 2013 movie Her 
is that the divorcee's girlfriend wasn't mining his data for cash. To be fair to AI girlfriends, real girlfriends can also be a privacy risk. Your secrets are safe with me, and also my sister, and my friends, and my AI girlfriends and boyfriends. Anyways, I gotta go. I've got, like, 11 dates lined up. Back to you, Ryan. Thanks, Allie. Good luck with the dates. Um, sorry you've been dumped so many times, but, you know hope it works out i think it was fascinating and also something that uh we were talking about when she was working on that report was that they said it was one of the most egregious platforms that they have ever reviewed to uh actually see how they handle your data and uh obviously she mentioned all the stuff that she mentioned but even aside from that just the way that they connect your data to you as a user and then sell it is it's egregious be careful um i'd also really be interested to talk to someone who's actually used them um and ali was playing around with it for the report but i would be interested for someone in similar idea of joaquin phoenix in her i would like to see how that's kind of changing and how people are interacting with these chat bots uh in a more romantic and personal way um but on to more news so uh Turns out most influencers don't admit advertising. A study by the EU undertaken uh, to find out whether influencers were abiding by EU consumers uh, law found that they really are not. Four out of five influencers on social media failed to disclose commercial content. 45, 45, that's crazy. The study looked at 576 influencers and found out that only 20% systemically indicated when their content was advertising. The study further found that 119 influencers were promoting, quote, unhealthy or hazardous activities, which include junk food, alcohol, um, aesthetic procedures, gambling, and crypto trading, also known as fun gambling. That's not financial advice. Um, and also all the opinions are my own. <laughs> Um, also, hello to Allie, who is now over on YouTube chat and asking if everyone liked her segment. She says, my 11 AI boyfriend girlfriends did. Um, well, I'm glad all 11 did. That's 100%. <laughs> um, in more uh, Gen Z news for you guys, art, self art selfies are the new pandemic. Um, this is a reporting from Artnet. And uh, Hiscox is a specialist insurance company, has observed an increase in incidents where visitors, while attempting to take selfies, accidentally cause damage to valuable artworks, items, and installations by backing into them. There is this very famous one, which is called the Selfie Domino, which happened in, 2000, in 2017, and it cost uh, $200,000. Uh, so let's take a quick look and you guys can see here this is uploaded on YouTube. Uh, it's going to be up here in the top right. Uh, you'll see that they're taking pictures and people are trying to capture their content on um, whether it's TikTok or whatever. But she falls and in, backs into it. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> anyway, it warns enough that this is actually common um, enough happening that they're actually warning against it as uh, insurance providers. So next time that you're at a museum uh, and you're thinking about whipping out your camera to take pictures of an exciting piece of art, uh, just make sure you know your surroundings. Like you can still take pictures, it's fine, but like just don't run into anything. Give yourself at least three or four feet. I remember somebody uh, broke uh, Jeff Koons, I think, dog, um, maybe at 
uh, Basil, Art Basil down in Miami, I think. But then they ended up actually taking those pieces and putting them into a bag and then selling them for more art. So, I mean, that's its own ugh, its own thing, whatever. Um, but just be aware, okay? <laughs> more TikTok news, I told you. And you guys were actually talking about this in the chat over on Behance, I saw. Um, TikTok hashtags. TikTok removed hashtag counts and the Center for Countering Digital Hate criticizes TikTok uh, for this and sounds the alarms. Previously, the feature en enabled users to search for a hashtag on TikTok, and you could see the total number of views on posts associated with that hashtag. As the CCH, uh, CCDH points out, this feature was used by researchers to gain insights into the scale of views on harmful content. Now it is gone. They are claiming that it is harder for researchers to get valuable information about how people are using hashtags. And some more TikTok news. Also, a lot of this is coming from Passion Fruit. Um, I've been trying this week to include a lot of the media places that I'm grabbing this news from to make sure that everyone gets adequate um, accreditation. But uh, this one's from Passion Fruit. And if you're a creator and you're looking for creator news, it's a really good newsletter. They cover all um, social platforms and different uh, creators and influencers and how they make money and a living. And it's called Passion Fruit because it's your passion. It's really good. Would definitely recommend it. Um, and once again, that's not an Adobe endorsement. That is a Ryan Selvey endorsement. But back to TikTok. UMG uh, and TikTok split ways earlier this month, if you remember. And I'm actually kind of surprised, honestly, because I thought it wasn't going to last. I thought it was going to be like a headline. And then, you know, obviously, TikTok would kind of come crawling back and be like, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. We'll pay you whatever you want. But as of today's broadcasting date, we still actually don't have Universal Music Group as any music available on TikTok. And now it's all muted and you can kind of uh, switch it out for something else. But something that's interesting that's happening because of this is that indie artists are seeing an, an uptick in listening. And Universal Music Group's catalog is still unavailable. Um, and indie artists have used this moment to promote their own music with some like Lilith Max calling for a rise of indie artists. Maybe in the short term, while Universal Music Group and TikTok negotiate a deal, indie artists can benefit from the open space. And talking about people just trying to make a living, just trying to make it by, Beyonce is on Twitch. <laughs> she is I am Slayonce on Twitch. Uh, last time I checked, she has not broadcast yet, but it was set up after she ha had the Super Bowl ad earlier in the week where she was um, finding different ways to break the internet. And they have I am Slayonce, which is the official Beyonce Twitch account for Beyonce. Um, and I would love to see if she ends up turning into a thing she also released two new songs this week for what it's worth um so maybe she could integrate that into twitch stream somehow who knows we'll see fingers crossed i'm a beyonce fan uh, and then we have Apple Vision Returns rolling in, which we teased at the beginning of the show. Users are complaining of motion sickness, head and neck strain, eye strain, and some are also saying that there isn't enough content yet. Apple has a 14-day return period for all of their, uh, their material. However, uh, the majority say that they're interested in Generation 2 of the product, and there's no announcement yet on a Generation 2 of the product. But it is interesting to hear that they're like returning it, and they're like, I still want to come back for it. It's just maybe not where it is yet. I know on The Verge, they were saying that it was the best possible headset that has ever come out yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean it is worth the $3,500 or that it is the way that we're going to go with the idea of using cameras as pass-through. Um, I believe the main editor of The Verge said that he believes it is a dead end. Um, 
and I'm really interested. I have not had a chance to try it out yet. I know you can make appointments at Apple stores to try it out, but I am interested to go and try it. Uh, I'm also curious how many people just bought it to make a review on YouTube and then returned it and got their money back. Um, but interesting nonetheless. And then guys, guess what? We have one last news story and it's about TikTok. <laughs> it's also about the Vision Pro though, so it's taking those two and combining them. Uh, there is now a specialized app separate from the iPad app because a lot of Vision Pro apps are just the iPad app. But you can now take a TikTok app and it is specifically made for the Vision Pro. You can spread out viewing across your video, your comments, your profiles, your info all at once. Whereas when you're on your phone or on your iPad, when you click into something, it takes over the screen and you scroll. Now with the idea of this immersive TikTok experience, specifically for Vision Pro, you can watch something and scroll at the same time and kind of have it spread out to however you want. They also have immersive watching experiences similar to other apps uh, where you can watch TikTok at Yosemite if you want to only watch TikTok at Yosemite uh, and you're not at Yosemite at the time. <sighs> but man, that was a lot of news this week. Um, we have a few comments in the chat. We have Oliver saying, from what I've seen on TikTok, people very quickly stopped caring about the loss of UMG catalog, which is interesting to hear. Um, and CJ saying, you're telling me the people wearing TVs on their face are complaining of eye strain? Shocking. Um, and also Allison is in YouTube chat saying, arise indie artists, arise. Arise and claim your rightful place in all capitals. Um, and Allison is over on Behance as well. And she's saying, immersive TikTok experience, that's a scary sentence. Um, but let's cool down a little bit and just check out some cool hyperlinks for one of my favorite sections, hyperlinks. The first one is one I found out called untranslatable. And have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they said something along the lines of like, oh, it just doesn't translate well. Um, like, uh, you know, that means this, but it doesn't necessarily switch between languages. As someone who only speaks English, um, I've never fully understood this. I know that it's a real thing. I don't think they're just pulling my leg. Um, but it is something that I've always been kind of fascinated by. And there is a new site that is the Urban Dictionary of uh, the multi-language cinematic universe. Um, and basically it is having people come and uh, contribute entries that uh, are this idea of uh, a word that doesn't necessarily translate to something else, but is uh, used by people. So you can see when you go and uh, it's just untranslatable.com, if you go up to explore entries, uh, you can just kind of uh, scroll down and not only will it give you the word and its definition, uh, there will also be uh, kind of its use case and the link to its proof so you can see it in use. Um, and it'll also tell you if it's formal speech or informal speech, which obviously as Urban Dictionary is famous for, um, a lot of it is slang and for things that um, aren't necessarily in the dictionary. Um, I don't know how you can necessarily use this in your work, but um, it is something that is very interesting to see um, and would be interesting to implement into stuff. Um, Next up, we have Drawzer, which is a very cool site to help you just draw things. Um, 
and you just go on and every time you go to drawser.com you get a new phrase and i saw a lot of people are using this for different drawing um experiments or exercises and you can go in and so right here i just went to drawser.com and it says a young boy driving a car on the moon you can just refresh it um and it says a fat plumber seeing stars in a city dump i can refresh it it says a ripped superhero throwing a mobile phone in a casino so it just gives you something to kind of work with and uh, give you somewhere to start. And I think it's really cool, super simple. It's made by someone named um, Rick, uh, Rick Catlow, uh, who is RKCat on Instagram. So go ahead and make sure you check their workout. Uh, and then the very last thing that we have is uh, something called Downpour. And we found this through The Verge. Uh, it is a no programming or game design experience whatsoever needed and there's no algorithm to recommend them but they take your pictures and they turn them into a game or a website of sorts um, and there's an example here that we have uh, on downpour.games uh, slash holly where's madeline you open it up and it is this cute picture of a cat it says where's madeline you click onto the picture of the cat it then brings you to another page with a, another cat that is madeline it says yes that's madeline what a cat no dead ends if you go the wrong way just tap any cat so we click the cat again and now we get this picture of a desk and it says where's madeline and you can't immediately see her um, and if you kind of hover around the image, you can see that clicking doesn't do anything, but then hidden within the desk underneath the shelf, the cat is there. And if you go and bring your cursor over top to the cat, suddenly you can click on it. So you can click onto the next page and it says, yes, that is Madeline magnificent. And so you click in once again, there's another, where's Madeline? you go and you click the cat and it moves forward, but then it says, sorry, that's gelato. So um, gelato is great too. They are these very simple, easy to make services. It's going to launch on March 8th and it is called Downpour, D-O-W-N-P-O-U-R. And their website is downpour.games. Um, and it says it is a quick, Fun, quick, and accessible way to make your own video games. Take photos of yourself, your drawings, your world, and then link them together. You made a game. Now share it so others can play. And it's uh, launching actually on March 6th, not March 8th. Um, so if you're on March 8th, you're gonna be a little bit late. But um, they have some already examples already up on the site. It'll be interesting to see. It's going to be free to download. There is going to be a subscription for it to help keep it afloat. I don't know how that is going to interact with the idea of it being a free service. Like if you're gonna get one free site or not, I'm not entirely sure. We will report back on it uh, in March. But please, if anybody here that is listening or watching ends up making a game through downpour, I would absolutely love to see it. And if it's appropriate, I will absolutely feature it on stream because why not? It's fun, it's cool to see creators have a new platform, especially when you don't have to get bogged down with the idea of just code and code and programming and like it's so much. Um, so yeah, well, check it out, downpour.games. Uh, but let's hop on to our next segment and that is thoughts. Thoughts is the segment we have every week where I bring a topic or conversation that has happened within the week or recently, and I present it to the audience, the chat, the listeners, to hear what you guys think, because not everyone's going to think the same, and I'm very interested to hear um, what your take is on different aspects. So our very first thing is Alicia Keys, uh, and Alicia Keys 
performed at the Super Bowl last Sunday. I know it probably feels like forever ago at this point. But if you were watching live, you'll notice that her voice cracked at the very beginning of the song during her halftime show. However, by the time it made its way to YouTube, the official recording on the NFL YouTube fixed it so it doesn't crack at all, which is very interesting. Um, and it's kind of this interesting new era that we're in where the broadcast was not posted very long after the broadcast was live on TV. They got it up very quickly. And so quickly, I don't know if they necessarily consulted with Alicia Keys' team to see if they wanted. Personally, I think that having issues and having some sort of reality in a performance i think is amendable like i think it, it i think it is something that we know alicia keys is a good singer just because her voice cracks doesn't mean that it tarnishes her image like she's just a human and she was performing for millions and millions and millions of people um i am in the camp where i'm like it should just be left how it is because that's how history was but we are getting into this perfectionist era where it's so easy to fix things that happened live and whether that's your voice or your visuals or your videos um it's going to be really hard to tell what actual reality is so i just think everyone really needs to start journaling or having their own record of things so that we all don't lose our minds because um it's that one effect that people remember all universally remember things uh, one way when they were actually another way. That's only going to continue to happen more. <laughs> um, and I don't know how I feel about it. So how do you guys feel about it? Are you happy that they switch it up so it's now a perfect performance? Or would you prefer for it to be um, the way that it was when it was live? Oliver is in the Behance chat saying, if we go down the road of removing everything we perceive to be an imperfection, we risk making everything boring. Uh, Alessandra is also saying uh, she agrees with what I was saying. And um, Bruce is saying, uh-oh, uh, they want to show how she did it live, not a voiceover. Um, Amy Hood is over on YouTube. Welcome back, Amy. Uh, and she says, so weird that they changed the note in the performance. Yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> Allison saying, dear diary, Alicia Keys missed a note during the Super Bowl today. Big miss. <laughs> Uh, I have one other thing for you guys in the thoughts section, um, and this one pertains to Arc Browser. Now, uh, as you guys know, I do have a few heavy hitters that I continuously am always like, oh, I got this from here and I got this from there. I love The Verge. I listen to The Verge a lot. Um, and they recently did a really good podcast about uh, Arc Search, which is, if you don't know, Arc is made by the browser company, and they are a new company that is trying to recreate the browser. It's on Mac. Uh, they are beta testing a Windows app uh, to replace your Chrome, what have you, but they're re-exploring the idea of what it means to have a browser. And they also recently uh, launched within the last month a um, search for me app on iOS, which is separate from the browser. And that's what I wanted to talk about today because it is a way of interacting with the internet that is very new and unique to kind of where we are now. Um, and it presents a lot of challenges, but it also presents a lot of exciting futures. And as I know a big portion of our audience is designers and web designers, it really impacts a lot of how we interact with the web. So I made a little screen recording here 
of how it works. And basically you go and you search as if it was just a Google search site. Um, but rather than just searching it, it has all of these suggestions to click browse for me. And so when you click browse for me, it then will show you that it is looking at the top six websites and then it creates a custom website for you. This website doesn't exist anywhere else. This is just based off of your search. Um, and it'll give you the AI summary of all of this websites that it told you it searched. It'll give you images from the search that it had, and then it'll also give you the links to the places where it searched from. Now, they brought him onto the Vergecast, the CEO of this company, and said, look, like you are really going to upset a lot of people because the way that the internet works is uh, a lot of media publications make their money through cookies. They make their money through advertisers and banners on their websites. Um, and by being able to say we get X number of viewers on our website. And the CEO was like, yes, I'm very aware that we are breaking things, but we are in the mindset that we are doing something that is better for humanity because at the end of the day, this is a better service for humanity. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be searching things and you're going to be clicking through the top five links and you're gonna be summarizing it in your own head. Um, and this is a way that we're using new technologies to expedite that entire process. But with that, you're losing web design, you're losing um, the way that these systems have been set up. But he's also saying like, these are new systems that were met and created for the internet. Like when the internet came out, it was breaking media services as we know it. So newspapers and magazines uh, and news sites were all having to readapt because the browser came out and the search window came out. He's saying with artificial intelligence, whether you like it or not, like it's going to change again. So they need to find the best way forward. And I'm interested to see what that looks like. I was skeptical going into it to use this service. I have since used it for many things and it actually works really, really well. Um, it does make mistakes. It hallucinates as all AI systems do. But this is really interesting because it does a great job. It summarized for the most part. And if I have any doubts uh, about what it is giving, it is easily accessible to go in and click the links of where it's pulling information from. Also, that said, I'm not really putting like, you know, how to perform CPR into this. I'm, I'm as you see in this example, I am searching for what is the best indoor plant to take care of. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, Allison's saying, I need to listen to the podcast, but I find the CEO's attitude very arrogant. Um, <laughs> Alessandra says, I see the money tree. I just got the plant, which I thought you were talking about the money tree of uh, internet monetization, but you're actually just talking about money trees. In general, I have killed many of money trees. I have lots of plants. They say money trees are easy to kill, uh, are easy to keep alive, and I kill them like it's my job. Um, so we'll see. All right, guys, let's, uh, we're moving along quick. We're running out of time. Let's hop into font of the week. So the font of the week this week is FF Ernstein, and it is a wedge slab serif text typeface from the font font foundry. It is created by two people in a way, but also kind of created by just kind of one person. And it is by uh, Nina Stosinger, and she created the Roman form. And then after Nina created it, Hrant Papazian created an Armenian counterpart. Uh, Nina created a beautiful walkthrough at the site uh, ernestinefont.com. And I'm going to put it up right behind me real quick. I'll hide myself so you guys can see it. Um, but 
it's available through Typekit, through Adobe Fonts. If you are a Creative Cloud subscriber, you can get it for free. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and I want to read a few things from the website itself as she very eloquently speaks to her font. Um, she says that it was born from the search for a versatile monoline text typeface that would feel warm but also serious, slightly feminine but not too swirly girly, charming yet sturdy. And uh, it attempts to combine a no bullcrap clarity and a seriousness with friendly attitude. Its wide open shapes and generous X height lend its stability down to very small sizes and at low resolutions. And it has a range of ligatures, stylistic and contextual alternatives, uh, arrows, and two sizes of small caps enriching its palette. Um, it includes ball terminals to lend a friendly, playful feminine touch. And both Roman and italic are available in four individually drawn weights. Um, and so once again, that one is called um, FF Ernstein. Once you add it to your uh, library, it'll just be Ernstein in Photoshop when I was messing with it. Um, here you have a alphabet for you to check out. Um, it's very cute. It's very fun. I think it's very successful for all the things that she mentioned. Um, and I added it to my list. And I think you should add it to yours. Um, but that's enough of that. Let's hop on in to Ticket Booth. Ticket Booth is the time where I uh, have the opportunity to check out different shows that are happening around the world, a lot in New York because I am based in Brooklyn. Um, and I get to tell you guys ways that you can get out of your house and you can go check out different things in the real world to expand your artistic understanding. Um, the very first one we have is Nicer Tuesdays. If you guys have watched previous episodes of this show, you'll understand that it is a website, It's Nice That, that I really like to check out. They do really good art articles, but they also do this monthly segment where they bring artists to come and talk to other artists, um, and it takes place in New York. This time it's going to take place on Tuesday, February 20th at the School of Visual Arts. Um, it's in Chelsea, and it's featuring speakers uh, like Shane Fu, uh, Quill Lemons, and Kian uh, Creeman. Um, right, Creeman, right? Tree, Treehan? Treehan? Um, yes, Treehan. Quill Lemons, Shane Fu, and Kian Treehan. Uh, I am personally going. I'm very excited about it. Um, Quill Lemons is known for his groundbreaking work as Vanity's Fair youngest cover photographer um, and will discuss his career and series Quilladelphia at the event. Uh, motion designer Shane Fu will present his latest AI animation project exploring generative AI's potential in design. And Kiati Trihan will share her versatile work in graphic design and visual arts, highlighting her collaboration with her sister Kavya. Um, which I'm excited to check out. It'll be my first one actually attending. I've watched other ones on YouTube. So if you can't watch it in real life, uh, they do upload a lot of the talks to YouTube a little bit later, um, which is always a really great resource for people to check out. Um, next up, we have a uh, Annie screening. And Annie is a animation night in New York that is curated monthly screening event and annual festival. They show award-winning animated short films and virtual reality animation experiences from all around the world. 
Um, they have a, another showing at the same time on the nicer Tuesdays, and it is Tuesday, February 20th, uh, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's in person at the Gutter Spare Room. And uh, the cool thing about them is admission is free, baby. So if you're in the area and you can go, go check it out. Um, it looks very pretty. I already bought a ticket to Nicer Tuesdays. Otherwise, I would be going to this. I mean, I'm not unhappy about going to Nicer Tuesdays. I'm just, it's a bummer there at the same time. Uh, there's also the Stream Rewards coming up, which has a very interesting story behind it that I would also like to go into maybe next week. But basically, it is held by this one streamer, and she self-funds it. Basically, she created a whole another Twitch to just play her replays, and she asked people to go on and... Um, put it in the background so that she could farm money off of the advertisers and a lot of creators came to her defense and a lot of creators kind of came after her neck and it's an interesting take on how creators monetize their experiences online and how sometimes it's from actual consumption and other times it's just a number pump game um, but all of that is to not take away from the hard work that she puts into the streamer awards the streamer awards awards streamers with notable um, advances and contributions to the streaming space um, and that is coming up, so make sure you go and check it out. And our very last one uh, for Ticket Booth is a physical space in California for you guys. Um, and it is the Eames Institute of Infinite Curiosity, and it opened in Richmond, California. You guys probably know the Eames chair. That's the most famous one, but it is a lot of famous furniture. You can go and check it out and see it firsthand in person in a beautiful space, naturally, because it's beautiful furniture, and a beautiful space, things hand in hand. It's just how it goes. Um, but I hope that was resourceful for you guys, but even more so, let's hop into resources. So, uh, are you super busy and you just need some time off and you just want to relax? Um, maybe you need to think that, you know, maybe you're, you need to get your family to think that you're working. Uh, well, turns out this week that we found out, um, via a tweet from Christian Kell uh, that GitLab posts their internal Zoom call recordings on YouTube. And some of them have hundreds of thousands of views. And when you go to look at the comments on the ones that have hundreds and thousands of views, uh, people are saying, sometime I need to get away from the kids for a bit. I turn this on and close the door. Um, other people say, does anyone talk back to the video when your family walks by, or is it just me? Some people are in the comments saying, make sure you say yes at three minutes and two seconds. Um, and people are saying, this meeting has been of more use to me than any other meeting at work that could have been an email. Uh, and it's interesting because I also saw this funny TikTok a few uh, months ago that was kids playing work at home. Um, but one of the two sisters was on a phone call and then the other one was like yelling at the dad who was filming them saying like, she's on a work call, like she's listening to other people. And it's just crazy how quickly we adapt and understand to these new forms of etiquette and working from home is something that can then also be taken advantage of and you can pretend to be working when you're not working. <laughs> so let me know if you use it. Um, good luck. I, I take no responsibility if you get caught, okay? Uh, next up is fun a uh, tool called Goblin Tools, and you can use it if you ever get overwhelmed with tasks that you don't know where to start. Um, sometimes when something is so new, you kind of get overwhelmed. If you just go to goblin.tools, it's a free service. You don't have to sign up at all. Um, but let's say um, I need to um, get a new license. 
um, and you click search, it will then create a new segment for it. You can go in and then click this little wand and it will break down a um, series of steps that you can take for a to-do list right off of AI. So it'll be like, research the requirements and process for obtaining a new license in your jurisdiction. The next one is collect the necessary documents and materials. The next one is schedule an appointment. The next one is submit the required documents and application. The next one is pay any necessary fees. So it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a new license. It could be, um, uh, I need to bake a chocolate cake. Um, and it adds it to your list. You can then click the, um, little magic wand and of course it'll say preheat the oven then gather all the ingredients and equipment needed measure and mix the dry ingredients together in a mixing bowl and a separate mixing bowl mix the ingredients together and like it is editable you can go in and you can edit tasks you can add more sub uh sub tasks you can have um an estimate as to how long it will take um and it will add and remove um it's called goblin tools which is goblin.tools um, Allison says, Ryan, ask it how to take over the world. All right. So let's say take over the world. Let's add that to our to-do list right after we make a cake and get a new license. Uh, and we will click breakdown items. Uh, first is we need to plan and strategize. We need to form alliances. We need to gather resources. We need to develop and train an army. We need to capture key territories. We need to eliminate resistance and we need to establish control and dominance. Um, I think if you click this, it'll break down even eliminate resistance. So let's see what happens when we do that. It says, understand the reasons for resistance, identify the sources of resistance, develop strategies to address each source of resistance, communicate and engage with stakeholders affected by the resistance, implement the strategies to eliminate resistance, and monitor and evaluate the effectiveness of the strategies. Um, uh, they are asking if there is an app as well. Bruce is in the chat for that. Um, and yes, if you go and you click in, they have it as an app in both Android and Apple. Uh, but right now we are looking at it as a web app. So no matter where you are, you can check it out. And it's actually helpful. I mean, you know, you can then take it and make your own list. You can add your own new items. Um, I have no idea how much the spiciness is over here. Um, Oh, you can adjust how much you want to break it down or not based off of these little peppers. And it's a little slider. And the more that you slide it up, the more steps it'll give. Or if you just want it to break it down in smaller steps, you can bring it down to just like one pepper. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I want to make sure that we get through this real quick. Um, we also have a great new resource, um, which is provided by Creative Boom. And they have the 16 best online shops to buy original art prints for your home. I know a lot of times people are struggling where to buy art to make sure it is nice. Um, but it is something that uh, is very expensive if you don't do it right and uh creative boom has a really good write-up to just break down different places where you can get affordable art with still compensating artists fairly um and a lot of them i hadn't heard of before um like uh printed originals in bold and noble um but it's available just on creativeboom.com features slash best online print shops for art as always i am going to try to um put all these links into the show notes for you in the event that you are listening to this or watching it after the idea um let's hop back into uh some more design stuff and we'll go into our last segment for today which is rebrand <laughs> So Duolingo has an unhinged marketing system and it's paying off. I saw this chart actually um, from Charter, which is a very cool uh, 
newsletter that I subscribe to. And it just goes to show you that with the both pandemic and the way that they are approaching marketing is really um, paying off as far as growth and numbers. They have skyrocketed with TikTok. They have also um, just really been able to have fun while they've been creating their different work. Um, they have been changing the app icon. They've been using this owl as a way that he's like sneaking up behind you, um, being like, you missed your Spanish lesson. And it goes to show you that having a creative voice um, is something that can really set apart your brand from other brands. Um, it's uh, one of the things that I am always hesitant about because then you also have like Wendy's on Twitter, which is totally unhinged. Um, but then, you know, you also have... Uh, like some other brand that's trying to get big, but it, it just, it's not working. You also have like moon pies, which is super aggressive. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to see. Uh, and it, it's good to see that it has paid off for them. Um, and maybe I need to learn a language. Uh, and then we'll make this our last story for today. And uh, this is the new uh, mascots for the 2026 Olympics and Paralympics. It is um, Tina and Milo. And their names come, uh, their names are the diminutives of the two host cities, Tina for Cortina and Milo for Milano. Uh, and though very similar, each mascot has a slightly different nature. And this comes from their website. Uh, Tina is the Olympic mascot and is a creative down to earth type who lives in the city and loves to experience shows and concerts. She is in awe of the power of beauty and its ability to transform. She's embodied by the phrase, dream big. And then on the right, you have Milo, who is the Paralympic mascot, um, and he is a dreamer. He loves to perform practical jokes and play in the snow, and in his spare time, he invents musical instruments. Nothing can hold back his resilient character. Despite being born without a paw, he has learned to walk using his tail. The sentence that represents him is, obstacles are trampolines, um, which is which is wild. Uh, also, Allison's in the chat saying, uh, Jamie deserves a shout out. Here you go, Jamie. Shout out to you. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for all your comments through YouTube. I appreciate you. But that is pretty much what we have for this week, you guys. Uh, what was everyone's most exciting news story? Thank you guys for being here. Um, thank you for uh, for all your comments. Thank you for being um, a very active audience. We're here every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. You can also get this show um, as a podcast. If you just go to Spotify or Apple and you search for The File New Show, it should pop up and be good to go. Um, thank you to Allison Rogers for being a producer and her um, segment on this week's show. She really helped out with breaking down bullet points um, to talk about different stories today. So I literally could not do this show without her. So thank you. Um, and if you guys do listen to it as a podcast, please rate it five stars. It helps it uh, get figured out. If you're watching on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up um, and be here next week at 4 p.m. Same time uh, to watch next week's episode. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, filenewshow at gmail.com is a good way to get a hold of me. Once again, I'm Ryan Selvy, R-Y-A-N-S-E-L-V-Y. And you can find me on both Instagram and on Blue Skies. I've really been enjoying Blue Skies. It's cool. I was able to make my username on Blue Skies just ryanselvy.com, which I now have a website now that is just a link to all my other sites. But um, thank you, everyone, for being here. And I will catch you real soon. Have a great weekend. Uh, and if you have a three-day weekend, enjoy it. If not, I'm sorry. 